Are you using yellow wood for your bumper? Um, yellow wolf. Yellow wolf? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have permission for him. That would be cool, though. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. All right, so we're here today with uh, Tom Reed. Um, I guess we'll start off a little bit. We want to just talk about our- Who's this guy? Why am I here? (laughs) Uh, So so Tom is is our business consultant with Outlaw Way and the other ventures that we participate in. Um, He's, uh, I would say it's safe to say a, a business expert communications expert right Is i love it you would i keep you're, yeah. you're doing awesome so far <laughs> nailing it and uh, we've worked together on, on a number of different projects now over the last what four years mm-hmm. going on five yeah and um anyway brilliant individual a very original thinker so we thought we'd bring him on today and um and, and use that to play off of to kind of set the tone for you guys on this this the outlaw way podcast as we uh take it in a, in a more refined direction sure. I, I guess right? yeah and i think so, we're, we're shooting for like 15 minute windows on topics yeah we're gonna spare you guys the <laughs> the long two hours keep it in short clips and uh, and just kind of see see where it goes yeah yeah you guys got to maybe layer in some pictures when i first met you you just posted a video recently doing like eight thousand pound deadlift and, <laughs> and i remembered now when i first met you you had that that crazy long hair yeah. and uh, I remember thinking, okay, <laughs> yeah. this could be interesting. Uh, do you remember the first thought you had when we met several years ago? The very first thought? Sure. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, and the other gym owners out there uh, with that low can, I'm sure can relate to this or any, any other business owners out there. You know, I had been in business at the time for about seven, going on eight years, mm-hmm. six, at least six years. And, you know, get getting approached every week if not every day by people you know both in person on the phone relentlessly through email like hey man i'm i'm this awesome business mind and i can help you get x many clients Mm -hmm. and it's only going to cost you x many dollars so Mm -hmm. when i first met tommy approached me and told told me that he did that kind of consulting work and my first reaction was yeah (laughs) cool man you know heard that been down that road and um yeah so my first reaction was you know Seems like a super smart guy, but you know, thanks, but no thanks kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm trying to, I think I was training with maybe one of your coaches mm-hmm. and the subject of, you know, how does your business work? And you guys had just a great reputation uh, and continue to have an amazing reputation in the local community. And as you know, I'm always looking to work with um, super talented people. And I think when I, you, you were kind enough to give me a few minutes. Uh, I think we were in your office, and I can't remember if it was a, if it was a I think it was a big knife or a hand grenade oh, yeah. or something, but you had something, and we were talking, and you just had this knife. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it was the big hog knife, yeah, I remember. Is that what it is? Yeah, I used to open boxes and letters and stuff. It was, it was a bit excessive, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, so, you know, it, um, well, one of the things, first things I learned about Tom is he's, he's, he's very patient, right? Very respectful, but he's also very persistent. So. Took a while, right? But you got me to, to, to do a meeting. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The, the business of doing business is uh, sort of the, the, the topic that we're wrestling with, you know, today. And, you know, um, everyone out there who is either a manager or a business owner can, uh, can recognize the struggle, mm-hmm. the journey. And it's something that uh, I am super respectful of. I find it very off-putting mm-hmm. to... Uh, do um, cold call type 
marketing. However, I respect the hustle mm -hmm. and I get it. So for me, uh, because I've had success in some other businesses that I've owned, I'm able to target and really I can work with whomever I want to work with. And that's, a, that's something that I don't take lightly and I'm not um, arrogant about that. And so people who are out there hustling and doing cold calling, it's fantastic mm -hmm. you know, and I love that. Uh, but I always find it a little, um, I don't even know what the word is, off-putting. Yeah. Oh, I'm a consultant. It's like, what? You're right. a who? Right. Whatever, dude. Right. So anyway, I, I'm excited to get into um, some material uh, today about you know, what, is, what is business? What is a service-oriented business? I imagine a lot of the managers or leaders or business owners that are followers of the Outlaw Way mm -hmm. uh, have some vested interest in being successful at whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to get into a little bit of, of that, of like how we define uh, success in business. And maybe we can start there. Sorry. No, <laughs> too yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a great place to start. Yeah. Um, Hashtag wet bone. Yeah. Nep <laughs> if, you, if you heard the noise on the table, is Neptune chewing on his, his deer antler. So we'll spare you guys that. Um, yeah, but like when you think about success as yeah. a business owner, like what are the things that are the shiny object for you? What are the things you're trying to achieve? Uh, so, you know, I, I guess the first thing is so in the context of the of the gyms, right? The, the, those brick and mortar spaces. Sure, whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, mean, how many businesses do you own? So right now it's it's the, the, the CrossFit gyms mm -hmm. and then own and operate my family's marina down the coast mm -hmm. and then the outlaw way is mm -hmm. for, for, for the... The, the wellness brand that we're trying to build. So you, okay, so wellness brand. Now mm -hmm. you were, you know, when we first met, you know, one of the really cool things that you had done to establish your business was to be super intense and 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 uh, focused on um, uh, performance for competition mm -hmm. and being known as a badass uh, operation. But what I learned very quickly about you is that you were as or more interested in the wellness of people right. that you are working with. And th to be frank with you, that's the thing that really magnetized me to be wanting to work with your organization. Yeah. Because I think people who coach uh, uh, high-level athletes, they know that's a pretty one-dimensional environment. Right. But when you're helping people right. who struggle to be well, like that to me is the, right. is the shiny object. Right, and that's one of the things, really one of the things I, th I think I know you, you helped us with right off the bat was um, somewhat ironically, mm -hmm. that was the goal from the beginning. We mm -hmm. talk about defining That's success right. as sua sponte. When, mm -hmm. I, when I had that first vision before we were even in a space and open, it was like, look, man, I, I want to work with as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. I want to have as many members as possible. And not yeah. just yeah. check the box members, but people yeah. actually coming in mm -hmm. and getting fit and getting well. Um, remember you told me that and do you remember the very first thing I put up some white paper on the wall mm -hmm. and I wrote one thing and I circled it. Do you remember what that was? I'll remember it. I think it was it wellness. It was it was related to that. It was tell that story. Tell that story, right? Because it was it was that part was like a like a closely guarded secret. Mm -hmm. It's like, huh? Right. Well, and it's one of those things. It was it was so near and dear to me, mm -hmm. but it was right here, mm -hmm. right? So I, I thought it was obvious, but mm -hmm. two inches away from me, it got very convoluted and, mm -hmm. and told a very different story. And mm -hmm. and then when I really looked at it, you know, um, I was like, man, you're right. Right outside these four walls, we do have this reputation and this image is just being a super competitive organization and program uh, and the explanation for that was was simple right it wasn't that that's what we sought out it's that mm -hmm. you know one of the things we also felt very strongly about is hey, hey we support our members goals right mm -hmm. one of the first things we ask when they come in is, you know what are you trying to achieve 
and we and we support and we support that and to include the people that you know um the young athletes that come in and say hey you know i want to i want to go to regionals i want to be competitive yeah absolutely mm -hmm. right so we support that but that kind of hijacked that's that's the shiny object right mm -hmm. so we had all kinds of other goals being mm -hmm. pursued and the overall goal of wellness but the shiny object becomes mm -hmm. you know yeah. those those high-end athletes so, so what do you so what do you think for the people who own their own boxes mm -hmm. or managers what do you think some of the impediments to their growth and sustainability you think they're running into? Like we've, we've talked a little bit about like programming mm -hmm. and how the outlaw way, can, can you just spend like a minute, you know, without getting too much into like a marketing pitch, but right. like spend a minute on like what, like programming is like the holy grail of CrossFit. And I've seen over the past eight years or so that there's been a shift mm -hmm. in, you know, what are you programming for? Oh, you want to be an athlete at this level? You have to have this specific model or whatever but what are you guys trying to achieve as you do your 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 programming and who are you trying to help and how that's a great question so our our whole philosophy our whole niche that we're trying to fill is 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 centered around the fact like is programming important mm -hmm. yes absolutely okay. mm -hmm. does programming need to be excellent as a part of running a successful crossfit gym yes right but but is is it also a redundant skill Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, especially at this point in this day and age in the game, um, you know, there's any number of people that can write intelligent, excellent programming, right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, if someone, you know, we, you know, we did the math, sat down and sketched it out, it's 20 to 40 hours a month. There's no way around baking that cake. And, who, and who's doing that 20 to 40 hours a month? You know, there's a lot of gym owners that, that are already, you know, seeking out other programs. But a lot, for the most part, when I'm t making my calls and, mm -hmm. and talking to the other folks out there, a lot of gym owners are still either doing it themselves mm -hmm. or having the, or a, com a combination of themselves and their head coach mm -hmm. or other coaches, and they're, they're doing it in-house. What right? do you say to the gym owners who feel, you know, this dissonance, like, hey, my programming is, is the secret sauce. It's the magic right. be, be, behind why people come in these doors. Right. And we know, and I think they know as well, the real magic is in the community that they're right. building. Right. How do you help them uh, unpack that? Well, you know, it's uh, the analogy that we spoke of before that, that I really like, you know, because I can relate to that. Like, hey, you know, I talked to these, the, the owners I identify with the most, which is, and the ones that are most passionate, which is a vast majority of, of the cross owners out there. I mean, mm -hmm. let's be honest. It, yeah. You know, it's, there's other ways to, to make a lot of money, right? So mm -hmm. there's got to be some passion involved. And what they say is like, you know, John, you know, this is, I want this brand to, to be me. I want mm -hmm. it to be part of me. Mm -hmm. And they feel like it's irresponsible or it's shirking that responsibility to, to farm wow. that, that mm -hmm. programming out. So the analogy that I always use that we spoke of before is uh, there's a the bur burger joint in mm -hmm. North Carolina, right? Al's Burgers. Oh, Al, right? sure, yeah. And they use the best, the you know, hundred hundred percent grass fed beef they from do. the nether regions of yep. wherever, yep. right? Yep. Mebane, North Carolina. Right. I but they don't they don't raise it, right? They don't that's harvest right. it. That's right. right? That's they, right. They import it, right? That's right. That's the raw product. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of other burger joints that use mm -hmm. the same beef, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But what makes them the best is how they package it, how they present it, the mm -hmm. environment they serve it in, the the, the fixings, the sides. All of that—that's—that's that's what makes the brand. So that's my—that's mm -hmm. my pitch to the the gym owners: is that look, man, this is just the raw product, and what you do with it, and mm -hmm. how and how you how you prepare it 
is really what's going to set you apart and really what makes your brand. That's such so. a good analogy because the person you're talking about, Al Bowers is his name, his, his motto for the business is good is good, y'all. Yeah. And that's a funny expression because, you know, there's this, of course, good is the enemy of great, you know, mantra, and it's, which is awesome. But he's targeted in on, to your point, like, I get the burgers, which are all natural, et cetera, et cetera. Then they cook them very nicely. They, right. they do a good job. But what sets them apart is they call their customers guests. Mm-hmm. And every person that walks in, Al, when he, when he, when he was doing, uh, um, when he was at the store all the time, now he has like four stores, he would learn people's names mm-hmm. and he would say hello, he'd welcome them by name. And it was those little things. Right. And I can see the parallel for gym owners or box right. owners right. who they've only got so much bandwidth and right. energy. Right, and, and all that attention to detail, right? Mm-hmm. Whether the attention to detail is pointed at the programming or learning names mm-hmm. or, and creating events. It yeah. comes from the same nucleus. Mm-hmm. It all comes from the same point of passion, mm-hmm. right? And where it goes, you know, so one of the things that I've really learned to work on through you and over the years just by natural selection, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, as a gym owner, I know you can relate, there's only so much bandwidth, mm-hmm. right? And you, you, you realize that that energy is finite, mm-hmm. even though in the beginning I didn't really. So, you know, you just kind of naturally start pushing yourself towards the, if, you know, you should start naturally start pushing yourself towards the things that only you can do and then meeting with you and kind of refining that process. Mm-hmm. And man, the impact that can have mm-hmm. slowly but surely over time where you freed yourself up. Mm-hmm. You know, other people can write the programming. Mm-hmm. Other people can do X, Y, and Z, identify mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that only you as the owner can do, developing your coaches, building relationships, et cetera. And that starts to pay dividends the right way mm-hmm. over, over you know, a manageable amount of time. Would you, so. would you agree that it's really just a small percentage of your members or customers that actually really even notice the the sophisticated nuances of the program. Right. They come in because they like the community, they want to get their workout, they don't want to think about it. It's just a small percentage of people who really kind of quote unquote worry about what is the programming. So giving back bandwidth to these gym owners is such a magical thing. I mean, I'm not trying to hard sell on the LOA right now, mm-hmm. but just recognizing that compassion fatigue is a real thing. Oh yeah. Right? And you've experienced that as a business owner, right? You can only chase down so many things. Uh-huh. And what happens when people get compassion fatigued is they start biasing towards the stuff they're already good at. Yeah. So if you're doing programming, all of a sudden you're doing more programming right. and doing less events. Right, because it feels good, it's rewarding. You exactly. Know? You have control over it, mm-hmm. right. You're retreating into that. Right, all right, so that's a, and that's a good point. I mean, you know, as far as that compassion fatigue, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's something that, that obviously tr- you know, translates across all kinds of different fields. The enemy, so we're talking about the business of doing business. I would say one of the enemies of building your business is your own or your staff's compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. If that's happening, I always tell people it's like a fire, stop, drop, and roll. Mm -hmm. It's literally stop, take a breath. Right. And reorient around what are your goals and intentions for the day. Right. And uh, the owners out there, I know you can relate to, you know, a big thing you see too, you know, um, you have a lot of passionate coaches that also want to express that passion in terms of programming. Right. Um, and what I've run into is like it as well as when I when I try to focus it elsewhere is like is this notion that, oh, you know, John just doesn't understand programming. Right. And it's just and it's, it's as an owner, I've been in and I've been, in, you know, in this field, in this profession for over a decade. 
you know, I'm just further down the evolution of, mm -hmm. you know, and there was a time where I was very obsessed with Rory. So that's why every once in a while, like, you know, Amanda had a great, the great idea of throwing up some of those old videos just to remind people like, mm -hmm. hey, I deadlift to 600 pounds, right. a squat of 500. I understand linear progressions and mm -hmm. programming and those nuances. That mm -hmm. was on a program that I wrote and followed mm -hmm. and all. So it's not that I don't love that stuff. I also just know thinking back because mm -hmm. all those lifts, those heavy lifts, the long hair and mm -hmm. the, all, all the crazy stuff, that was pre-Tom, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and I think back and I wouldn't change the next for some lifetime goals and I explored that, but that was all time and passion and energy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then now, well, it's not like I'm any, I'm any less passionate now. Right. It's not like I'm any less fired up. I'm not deadlifting 600 pounds anymore, but that passion, that energy, that bandwidth mm -hmm. is pointed at something um, that I found to be much more fulfilling, both both in terms of business success mm -hmm. and just personal fulfillment. And that's that's helping other people and paying attention to the business. You, you so. know, well said. And you and you're you're owning and running three businesses now mm -hmm. instead of one. Mm -hmm. you, would you? Here's a layup for you. I, I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to give you a softball here. Would you rather do a 640 pound deadlift like yeah. right now right. and be like Tom? Oh, I still got it. <laughs> or help one person who's pre-diabetic get that's a great question get you know more more well that's a great question and that was where i was <laughs> that was where i was headed next all right, right? And there, it's 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 a no-brainer right because here's the reality guys when I, that 600 pound deadlift was a lifetime goal mm -hmm. that was like the grail for okay. me strength wise and i worked towards it and i worked towards it, it took right. years right because mm -hmm. um you know at the time i was a little less than 200 pounds over three times body weight mm -hmm. And here's the deal, man. I finally pulled it, right? Mm -hmm. Put it back down. Yeah. Balloons didn't come from the ceiling, <laughs> right? Right. No one ran out and handed me a check for a million dollars. Right. Right. Now, what was cool, right. the, the I, I would venture to say almost the only cool thing about it or awesome or fulfilling thing about it was the five or six training partners that I worked through that cycle sure. with, sure. my competitive athletes at the time, sharing that moment with them mm -hmm. was really the, the um, borderline the only highlight, right? Mm-hmm. And a few weeks later, and I felt felt pretty cool for for you know four or five six days, and then more. Mm -hmm. And then the only re remaining thing was the was the was the relationships and the bond that I formed with those other athletes. And that's when I had started when I started working with Tom and getting into this concept of bandwidth and focus. But it was like, man, I could have shared that that same energy, mm -hmm. not necessarily pointed at six hundred pound dip, but the same energy, the same passion to help you know who knows how 20, mm -hmm. 30, 40, 100, mm -hmm. 200 people right. with wellness, mm -hmm. right? And so anyway, a, a long, That's long okay. answer to your no. question. What I've also experienced as a, a coach and a gym owner is, you know, the fulfillment from any of those personal goals or even the fulfillment from taking an extremely fit person and making them a little bit more fit so that they, you know, I mean, work with numerous games and, and, and regionals athletes and national level weightlifters and all that, that was all cool. But looking back after mm -hmm. almost 10 years in the industry, still the most rewarding clients were the ones that hey you helped them help them lose 100 pounds mm -hmm. you, like you said you helped them go from being diabetic to living mm -hmm. health and those those have proven to be the, the clients that show the most appreciation and loyalty in, in return you Beautiful. change someone's life like mm -hmm. that they're little they were they will literally stick mm -hmm. with you forever so you know i love so. that so here's a question that you've answered that as a call to action. Was that a, was that a decent answer? It's an amazing okay. answer, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I rambled a little I bit. I mean, arguably it was a layup, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it was a softball, <laughs> but no, it was a good one. Yeah. Uh, so, but my call to action for people listening is, are you able to articulate what is your business 
and who are you serving with what outcome are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. If you can do that, you're pretty much a badass right. in my book. Right. And, and what I really loved about Tom's process and how, and how he helped us refine that is those were all questions mm -hmm. in our first few meetings. Tom didn't tell me anything. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, what, what, is, what is your mission? And then he very gently, appropriately um, helped help me see that, hey, you think, you think that's the message you're getting out and the story that you're telling, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it, and the competitiveness was a, was a subplot sure. of that overall story. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's still in our nature. That's right. That, our programming is still extremely high volume, high intensity, competitive programming. Right. If you're doing it at the RX, RX plus level, you will be a, a locally competitive athlete. Yeah. yeah I mean, what's right. the expression? Oh, you, you, for whatever reason, you look at a, any workout, it doesn't matter who programmed it, and mm -hmm. you think, uh, ah, it's not that challenging or it, then go faster. Mm -hmm. I mean, who, like. Well, and the strength cycles that we use are based <laughs> right. off, you know, national level, you know, stuff mm -hmm. that we got from Kyle Pierce, LSU, the program mm -hmm. that Kendrick Ferris and Jerry Flynn, I mean, you know, it's real deal stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It just helped, Tom just helped me realize that that subplot of the competitiveness mm -hmm. and developing those high-end athletes had overshadowed, had overtaken what the what the real, and to, to all the way down to the extent of how much of my energy and bandwidth it mm -hmm. was it was taking up. So, so are you being clear with yourself? Are you being clear with your customers or whoever you're serving? Yeah. Those are, I think those are questions. I, I mean, I obsess over those questions yeah. because ultimately, and this is the, the, the privilege for me to, when, when business owners, I've worked with over 200 companies, mm -hmm. when they allow me to interact with them, I'm not bringing uh, my briefcase saying, okay, here's the plan right. and this is why you should do what you do. It's more, what are you trying to achieve? Right. How are you trying to achieve it? And then if it's working, hey, that you know that's fine. Right. But you know, like like not to be like Dr. Phil, like the how that how's that working for you? That I don't take that approach. Right. Uh, I found it a little off-putting. But it's really working with the person. Mm -hmm. So in this situation, you've all got members, and so I'm assuming that you're talking with all your members to find out what their goals are. How do they tie back to your own goals and values mm -hmm. at your business? And then so, it, and then in a lot of ways, extending that same space and, and question-based process mm -hmm. with your clients. You know your ultimate goal for them is wellness, right? But you gotta meet them where they're at, mm -hmm. where, where they're at. That's right, that. that's you, right. You, so, hey, I wanna go to regionals or I wanna lift this way, cool. And you just use that to kind of guide them down a path mm -hmm. that, that you know is gonna end in positive results mm -hmm. for, for them as just an overall human. And, and you know, I, as you said that in this conversation about, you know, hey, you, as, you, as you get burned out, as you start experiencing, you mm -hmm. know, compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue, you mm -hmm. double down on the things you're already good at. Yeah, that gives you that reward. Right? right. That was me with the deadlifting and the mm -hmm. strength cycle and the competitiveness. Mm -hmm. right? Sure. Absolutely. And I double down and double down and then it becomes a, a, a process of diminishing returns. And it, yeah. it takes growth to get out of that. Right. It does. Yeah. You know, and I, I think if I recall correctly, you were a little compassion fatigue. Absolutely. Time, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's not me being pejorative in any mm -hmm. way. Uh, and I think a lot of people who are watching, if they're still hanging in there, are, are also suffering mm -hmm. with compassion fatigue and as CrossFitters, I think we train ourselves to just suffer and mm -hmm. like keep grinding. Right. The grind, right. the grind, the struggle. And, and especially as CrossFit owners, it's even another iteration of very driven people. Right. And for a long time, you know, um, you know, through, through my career in the military and special operations, you know, waking up with that drive was enough. Mm -hmm because it was structure and it was, you know, but as an entrepreneur, as a, as a business or gym owner, waking up with the drive, that's just the ante to get in the game. That's right. You wake up, you wake up with that drive, mm -hmm. you know you're, you're gonna do something that day, right? Like CrossFit gym owners don't just wake up and chill unless it's, that's 
only like today is the rest day. Okay, right. right. So, but so, and there's this notion, especially when I was younger and at first getting stars. Oh, well, I'll wake up and I'll just crush it. Okay, well, what? But what are you crushing? Right. Are you crushing your your own personal strength cycle? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or are you are you crushing your outward facing marketing? Mm-hmm. Are you crushing your inward facing messaging within your team and in the in the community, right? And and the beautiful thing about that is as you focus that energy instead of a six hundred pound deadlift, you know, however many years later, now I get to look around like, hey man, not only am I doing what I want to be doing mm-hmm. and helping people increase the quality and wellness in people's lives, but I've, I've built the bandwidth and the, the success in the business to be able to magnetize and do that with other people that I want to be around. And that's, and being able to share that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being able to achieve that is a thousand times more mm-hmm. fulfilling than, than, than lifting that heavyweight one time. Beautiful. Right? Well, we'll so. call that the business of doing business. Yeah. That's a topic that we'll come back to, I think, on this, yeah, this, I like uh, that one. this, this podcast series. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll pick up the next one with this idea of, of goal setting, core values, and all the things that are the engines and drivers mm-hmm. of a business. Very cool. Deal? Deal. Owls everywhere? Owls everywhere, baby. (laughs) Peace.